Stand by for the Terry Saul Show in five. Roll tape. Four. Cue Terry. Three. Bring audio up. Two. Stand by. One. Play intro. Stay tuned for the Terry Saul Show on Salem's original radio station, 104.3 FM and 1220 AM KSLM. Today's show is being brought to you by the Lule Group, featuring Lule's Car Connection, Don Lule Homes, and Teresa Lule's State Farm Insurance. Well, good morning, and welcome to the Terry Saul Weekend Show on Salem's original radio station, KSLM AM and FM. I am your host, and I'm so glad that you joined us this morning. Amanda has also joined us this morning. Good morning, Amanda. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing okay. Today's special guest is Dave Wentz. Did I get it right? That's right. Okay. And you're from the Disabled... American Veterans. American Veterans. First of all, thank you for your service. Thank you. Thank you very much. When were you in the service? 1970, 1974. Where'd you serve? My first time was in Crete, and then I went to Vietnam. Where's Crete? Where's that? It sits in the middle of the Mediterranean, just off, off the coast of Greece. Okay. I've never heard of you. Mm-mm. Does anybody know about it? Well, it's where the... the it's where they sent you. That's where they think Atlantis was. There's a palace of Iraqi on there. It was built in 2300 B.C. It had central air, air conditioning, hot and cold running water, flushing toilets, and indoor swimming pools. And uh, it was built when? 2300 B.C. Wow. They had air conditioning back then? Oh, well, they did there. Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What's your history? Where were you born and raised? I was born in Florida and raised in New uh-huh. Jersey. Is that where you went to school, New Jersey? I went to school uh, through... Uh, my elementary and secondary in New Jersey, and then uh, I was in uh, all over the place for my uh, undergraduate and graduates. I was in New York and Kentucky and Illinois. And, Whereabouts and in New York? I was in Buffalo. Yeah. I was upstate in, New York. Upper, upper state New York. By Niagara Falls. Yes. As a matter of fact, I was at the Buffalo University in Niagara Falls. Yeah. So, so you've been up to the falls many times then? Oh, yeah. yeah Spectacular, isn't it? It is. You ever go up there when it's frozen? I have. <laughs> yeah. And most people think the Niagara Falls is is the is the the biggest falls there. What everybody thinks is Niagara Falls is actually the Horseshoe Falls because Niagara Falls just is on the side. Right. The really big falls belong to Canada, and those are right. the Horseshoe Falls, and those are the ones that everybody that get lit up and everybody sees, and that they have the ship, the boat. That you know, you to. could actually go underneath the falls, or you could. Back a few I, years ago, when I did that, but I, I did too. Back I, way back when, but you get I don't think they do anything. Don't you? You sure do. Yeah, you sure do. They give you raincoats. Yes. Yeah, they give you these goofy-looking yellow raincoats with this goofy-looking yellow hat. I still have mine. Not yeah. to keep them, but I did. But uh, yeah, you go walk right underneath the falls. There, it's pretty spectacular. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. That's good. All right. And so then, how did you end up going in the military? And what? To, how old were you when you did that? I graduated high school at uh, fifteen and went to Brown University, and I was uh, less less than a, a perfect student. I was much younger than most of the others. For for well, what I ended up doing is showing movies that should not be shown on the down on Main Street of Providence, Rhode Island. And the school did not like it, so they asked me to leave. So. Wait a minute! 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 So you were showing mm, naughty uh, adult movies? Uh, yes, very against adult the movies. side of a building on the main facade, the facade of the biggest building in downtown Providence, Rhode Island. Oh, you've got guts! <laughs> well, I was only fifteen. No <laughs> brains, but guts! Wow. Now, how often did you show these movies there? Only once. <laughs> <laughs> did you guys serve like popcorn or anything? Or Well, the police didn't like it, neither did the firemen. <laughs> well, I bet the firemen... Well, no, 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 don't go there, Saul. Okay. So, 
I'm just curious. Is, was it eight millimeters, sixteen millimeter film? I have no film? idea what the heck it was, but it, it certainly it got was, people's was attention, spectacular. Huh? Yes. It was so, so did uh, how did you go home and tell your your parents? Well, that's the thing. I didn't. My mom and dad had more because we we didn't have a lot of money, so my mom and dad actually mortgaged the house to send me to Brown, and I was not about to go home and tell them that I had been kicked. Wait, out of wait, 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 wait. So you 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 got sent away to school. You threw adult films on the side of a building, but then didn't tell the parents that you got caught doing that? No. Oh, you're good. No. <laughs> you're I, good. I stayed up there for two years. Seriously? With friends out, all the way from from Rhode Island to Boston, with you know, because you know, with college campuses, you know, parties, you meet somebody and say, hey, can I spend a couple nights? And so that's what I did for two years. Then it went until I turned eight, uh, old enough to go into the service, and I went home and said, told my dad, I'm going into the service, and that was okay because my family has a history of military service. But they so, still didn't know that at this point you weren't in... They did not know it for 40 years. Really? What had actually happened. <laughs> you can keep a secret. <laughs> wow. That's a two-year-long secret. That's a way good... Yeah. Jerry's impressed. I'm totally impressed. <laughs> <laughs> Just like, what was the name of the movie? No, I don't want to know that. <laughs> All right, so you went into the military. Where, yeah. And where did you go right off the bat? Uh, well, I, I did my training here in the States, and then I, my first assignment was in, in over in Crete. And uh, I was uh, with Air Force Security Services, which is uh, is Air, actually Air Force Intelligence. Okay. And uh, my job was uh, radio communications, and I was an intercept radio operator. So I intercepted radio communication from foreign entities. That's kind of an important job then, isn't it? Well, I... I I was yeah. the one that did it. I, I can tell you there, there were a whole bunch of us that did it, but it was in the base that... Did you, yeah. ever hear, did you ever intercept any any good stuff? Oh, yeah. There were some really interesting things that, that, right. that I Anything heard. you can share um, without getting in trouble? Well, I can tell without you that... Without getting me in trouble? I can tell you that the the ship that was... Uh, that the sister ship with the Pueblo was called Liberty Ship and was attacked. Didn't, yeah, didn't get attacked? It was attacked, and it was attacked by one of our allies, and they didn't want anybody to know about it, so they took the ship down to the... In the southern coast of Crete, to have it repaired enough to bring it back to the states, so it didn't show show the actual battle, battle damage. Why did they they did not want people to know that it was one of our allies that actually did that? That's right. Probably that, it could cause an uproar. Did maybe the allies, start a war. The ally wanted us to. Did come they in. do it on purpose? Yes, the ally wanted ally wanted us to come yeah. in, in with them against a, another. Really. Country. That's crazy. You ought to silence that thing. I I, I have the phone on silence, but now I can't figure out how to turn the watch on silence. (laughs) For crying out loud. That's just my sister-in-law. So then where did you go after that? From there I went to, uh, I did various trainings, uh, uh, water survival and basic survival and POW and escape and evasion and then jungle survival and then I ended up in Vietnam. Where did you do the jungle survival? Jungle survival was just outside of, they flew us into Clark Air Force Base and they took us up. Where's, where's that at? Uh, it's in the Philippines. Okay. And oh. they took us up in, in uh, there, uh, right along where the uh, the road where the Bataan Death March took place. And there were still actually helmets and stuff still around there from that. So I picked up some of those. And uh, they what they did there is they um, had Negritos, which were headhunters. They had hunted the Japanese during the occupation. And they were tasked, they were given a bag of rice for every time, every American that they could capture. And when we were supposed to evade them, 
and they couldn't speak any English, so they carried a little tag around their neck, and it had a picture of a nose and a picture of an ear and a picture of a mouth. And whenever they would find you, they'd point to whichever one that it was that they uh, used they to find you. If they heard you, saw you, or smelled you. Because um, Americans have a distinctive smell to them. Really? And, uh, it's called uh, cologne. And, <laughs> yeah, we use cologne and deodorant, and, and most, pe- most people in the world do not. Interesting. And so that's the really? reason why. And so that's the reason why if you go into, like whenever I went to Vietnam, um, if I was going to go into the, into the country for a while, everybody ate the local food so that that way you didn't exude any, the, any odor different than anybody else did. Really? Okay. All right. So when you're doing this jungle survival, they don't give you anything to, to live on. They just dump you there and say you're on your own? Yeah, they will pick you up in a week. You're there, and you're you're pretty much on your own. You get three days where you get a guide that shows you things that that various things to watch out for, various things you can use to to survive with, and then you're on your own for about seven days while the Negritos try to catch you. Really? Yeah. What what kind of wildlife are around there? That uh... oh. Big snakes, spiders. Big? Um, big snakes. Yeah, big snakes. I don't do snakes. <laughs> spiders. Um, I can do spiders, but not the snakes. Yeah, that's the same with me. I don't, my All I ever thought about was the snakes. I didn't care about the rest. Yeah. Ants, too. Lots of ants that bite. Bite really? big time. So this wasn't a fun trip, then? No, it was not a fun <laughs> trip. No, they had the, the torture one. Tell them about that. Well, that was before that. that the, been the basic training... Anybody that is going into a combat situation goes in the Air Force goes through basic air crew training, and that includes uh, the POW camp. And in there, whenever I went through, uh, the Vietnam War was going on, so they you, they actually introduced you to different kinds of torture that you could that you could expect. Waterboarding and well, well, they did. I didn't get waterboard. I got put into a, a what they call a, a tiger pit. That's a pit that's about seven, eight feet deep. Uh, so deeper than I'm only five foot seven, so it was deeper than I than I was, and they fill it with water, and they throw you in there, and on the top it's just covered with with big branches that are strapped together, and you have to hang into the branches so you don't drown, and they just leave you in there. They don't feed you or anything else like that. For how long? I was there for three days. Serious? Yeah. And then they drag you out, and yeah, you know that. They, they do a lot. Of, they 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 treat you. You know, after a little while, you really believe you're there. That's wow. what's scary is <clears throat> not knowing if it's like when is this going to end. Yeah, that's it. After a while, you just you just don't think it's. Is there is there anybody watching you just in case you do go underwater and they can pull you out, or is it? I imagine that they're probably have some kind of a safety thing uh, thing there, but not not that any while you're participating in it, you don't know it. You can, uh, everybody there, the guards and everything else, they wear different uniforms. You have to bend at, at, down and almost prostrate yourself to them. And, right. And if they don't like you, then they used to, you just got kicked or hit or whatever. Like they actually torture, tortured. Oh, I'd make friends real fast with everybody. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's incredible! Now, and this is this is all during your boot camp and, and, and basic training and stuff. No, this is this is advanced. Uh, okay, uh, this is after boot camp. It's, it's for people that go through that are going into a combat situation. Okay, so did you actually go into combat? Yes, I did. Where I did flew, you do that? At? I I flew in Vietnam, Laos, Cambodia, and Thailand. What year was that? 
1974. Oh, you were right in the mix of it then. I was there at the Towards tail, the end, end, of tail yeah. end of it. My mission changed from uh, initially I was tactical and I was uh, determining targets and directing airstrikes and and bombing and collecting intelligence and then afterwards it became strictly uh, reconnaissance we were reconnaissance uh, the movement of american pow's up the uh, up the ho chi minh trail what was i mean nowadays vietnam is is beautiful it's it's a tourist trap right um, what was it back then well, it was pretty rural um, the uh, saigon which was smaller than portland Okay. Uh, no large, no large buildings. The the, the main centers. You had the presidential palace on one side of, of a big square, and then you had the great big cathedral on the other side of the square. Uh, uh, square, and then various businesses, mostly bar, uh, bars that catered to Americans and and Australians. Uh, very humid. It. Was it it's humid? very very humid, and during the monsoon rain, uh, you actually, the rain actually does fall sideways. Really, you know, it, it just uh, kind of it's blowing that hard. Oh yes, and uh, I'll I'll tell you, I'll give you an insight on whenever you go into the jungle, like the movies you see on TV with them with the jungles, it's not like what a jungle really is because in actuality, jungles the floor of the jungle is slimy. And because you have all that foliage that has fallen, and it just sits there and it rots, oh. so it becomes very, very slimy. And there are bugs in them, and snakes hide in them, and it's just and a back to them thing snakes again. Through. Probably very difficult to navigate, and probably easy to, with it being slimy, it's easy to fall and make noise. But it's also probably easy to track people walking through it. It is, and they, you know, and Vietnam had a, a, a strange plant. We were told that they just call them uh, uh, forget-me-nots. It was a plant that it, it, if it you passed by it, the heat of your body caused it to shrivel. And it stayed oh, wow. shriveled for seven hours. So if you, you had to make sure that you didn't walk past anything that had these forget-me-not plants because if you walked past them, it left a perfect trail to be, for them to follow you. But wouldn't that also be a way to follow the enemy? It would be, but you have to remember the enemy, the enemy was indigenous to the area, and so mm-hmm. they were aware of what they could and could not do. Right. We were new people there. Right, so. that's their territory. They know it. Wow. We, uh, we need to take a short break. When we come back more with today's special guest, you're listening to The Weekend Show on 104.3 FM, 1220 AM. Today's show, it's being brought to you by the Lule Group, Lule's Car Connection, Don Lule Homes, and Teresa Lule State Farm Insurance. We'll be back in just a minute. We're back in five, four, Q Terry, two, one, you're on. Welcome back. This is the weekend show, and we are talking with uh, Dave Wentz. I'll get yes. Wentz. You are a um, military veteran. Yes. Thank and, you for uh, your service. Yes, thank you very much for your service. And we were talking a little bit, you were over in Vietnam on our last segment that we were talking about some of the. Right. So give me some some missions over there that you did. My, my uh, squadron was assigned to. Uh, do radio intercept and, and uh, identification of strategic and tactical military sites. Um, we did airborne redirection finding, and at that time, we had the capability of being able to 
zone in on an actual radio transmitter itself within three meters at 400 miles range. So we could stand off as far as 400 miles and direct an airstrike against that that particular wow. thing, and they would would destroy everything within 100 meters of that area. How many? How big is 100 meters? 100 meters is bigger than than the store, than Walmart, the entire stall, uh, star on Walmart and their parking lot. Really? Wow. Okay. And that would be just one. One strike. One strike. If it was struck with a, with with say like F fours, if we called in uh, what they call an R flight, which is a B fifty two. Okay. Then you're talking about an area approximately the size of Salem would be level. Wow. Amazing. And that was back in 1974. Imagine what can be done right. now. Right. All right. Any other uh, combat that you that you ran into? Um, well, I, I I flew throughout Vietnam, and then I was sent over into Laos uh, because at the time there was a fear that the uh, Chinese were going to invade Thailand, and they were actually building a road. They had about 50 miles of it built of a four-lane highway heading towards Thailand, and we were afraid that they, that they were building a road for an invasion, so we were watching that quite often. And that was in northern Laos, so I spent a lot of time there. Did you end up destroying that road? No, uh, I don't know if they destroyed it or not. My job was reconnaissance of it and picking up whatever intelligence we could find on uh, what was going on down there. So we would overfly it, and we'd listen for radio communications, and I'd break the codes out as they came over. So you were actually in, in the plane above, flying over that, doing yes. your, your job from the plane then? Yes. Okay. And how long would you be up in the air? The our, our missions averaged about 13 hours. Was that scary, being up in the plane like that, above the area? Oh, yeah, it was scary because we didn't. it was just us. Right. And we, we didn't have any, any guns. The only guns we had were our 45s. And, and there was no in-flight movies or treats or anything? Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> there was none of that. And believe me, it was... It was Worried about you know, keeping your eyes out to see if you if, if there was anybody shooting at you and try to evade that because. Now, are you up there by yourself or are there several planes? In, no, in the there's formation? one plane. And and it's just you guys. It's just us and it wow. would be, um, the size of our, my crew would be anywhere from uh, four guys to thirteen guys, depending on the kind of mission that we we're going to be doing. Yeah, and it was a lot of turbulence up in that area too. Uh, it wasn't too, too bad uh, turbulence. Uh, the only turbulence that really that, that that I ran into is our pilots didn't have a clearance high, as high as ours did. So our pilots, they used to put our pilots in and seal their cockpit. So they weren't even allowed to look at our machines because they didn't have a high enough clearance. You're kidding. So what we do is we get up in the air, we take the tape off, the pilots come back, they'd play on our plane on, or with our machines <laughs> trying to figure that, and we'd fly the airplane. <laughs> What's so. wrong with this picture? <laughs> Wow. Well, the only turbulence I ever experienced is because like, I wanted to find, I wanted to see what it was like inside a cloud, and I flew in the cloud. <laughs> I didn't know there made turbulence on an airplane. <laughs> That's so cool. you live and learn. You yeah. Know? <laughs> hey, remind me not to get in a car with you either. Oh, yeah. <laughs> wow. That's incredible. Yeah. So were you ever shot at in a plane? Yes, we were shot out quite often. Uh, there were, or we lost a lot of planes. Well, because you get flying into the clouds. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> get that guy out of the clouds. That's right. <laughs> and some of those mountains in Laos are higher than the clouds. I'll tell you. Oh. So. And so you actually were fired upon. Oh yeah, we were fired upon quite frequently. Um, 
I was shot down three times. Wow. And I was... I was what was your first time? Your first time. Let's go through that. What was your first time? My first time, we were shot down <clears throat> by uh, anti-aircraft uh, guns, and that was in southern Laos, close to between where almost where Laos and what they call the Parrots Peak area, where Laos, Cambodia, and Thailand come to come together. So it was a, a haven for the uh, uh, North Vietnamese and the Viet Cong at the time. Uh, they would go there, and that was where a lot where their headquarters and their or, and their uh, missions would uh, come out of. So we paid close attention to that. So it was pretty heavily armed. So you were you were shot down. You were in the your, your plane. Yeah, we flew on on uh, EC forty seven old DC threes built in nineteen thirty six. Okay. So they were not fast. They did not fly very high. <laughs> they didn't. We weren't supplied with oxygen, so we couldn't go above ten thousand feet. And uh, an M sixteen could reach us, so we were pretty vulnerable. So what happened? You, your plane got hit? Yeah, they, we got hit by an uh, uh, anti-aircraft battery, and they hit, three shells hit us. They hit, hit us on the number one engine, which took up off that wing because the uh, the wings in those aircraft were actually was where the fuel was. It was inside the, the wings. So whenever the wing went off, we went down, and... We ended up crashing. Did, were you able to, to jump out? Uh, parachute no, out or? no, I was not able to jump out. Uh, actually, in all three times, I was never able to get to e- egress the so aircraft. The, okay, so the plane went down. You basically were in a plane crash. Right, yeah. And you guys all survived? On that one, there were four of us that survived. Um, but be, yeah, contrary to what a lot of people think, whenever you get shot down in, in a hostile environment, you'd never, ever meet together you always stay separate you may stay in contact with with the radio and as an example we're given like letters and you just come on and every on a, on a whenever you felt like you come up and you'd say a and then you got and then you know a was alive okay and then the next guy would be b and if b didn't come on then you knew he was dead or he was captured if c didn't come on and so forth so when you when your plane hit the ground i mean you don't just get up and walk away did you? No. The, yeah, the plane hits the ground, and uh, for me, I was not was unconscious, and I woke up, and all there were just flames and and casualties around, and so you just kind of pick your way through and uh, try to get as far away from it as you can before you you take a, a breather and try to contact to see if anybody else made it. Okay, Dave, we're going to take a short break. I want to hear the rest of the story here. Um, you're listening to The Weekend Show, brought to you by the Lule Group, Lule's Heart Connection, Don Lule Homes, and Teresa Lule State Farm Insurance. We'll be back in just a moment on 104.3 FM and 1220 AM. We are KSLM, and we're glad you joined us today. We're back in five, four, Q Terry, two, one, you're on. We are back. This is the weekend show on Salem's original radio station, KSLM AM and FM. I am your host, along with Amanda Smith, and we were talking with Dave Wentz. Did I get it right? You I did. got it right. right. You are a military veteran. Again, thank you for your service. When we were last talking about it, you just got shot down for the first of three times. Yes. And you got up and you Got out of the area there. It's a total wreckage, I would imagine. Yes. Okay. And then were you picked up right away? Or? 
No. Um, we had been told at the time that uh, whenever you're, you're briefed, you get briefed on time to, from takeoff, how long it takes you to get to target, how long you're supposed to fly over the target, survival time on ground, and uh, the amount of time it would take theoretically to send a, a search air and rescue to come and get you. At the time that, that I was shot down, we were told that survival time on ground was approximately 45 minutes and a SAR, a search, air, and rescue launch, would take uh, an hour and 12 minutes. So, therefore, they would not send one for us that if we did go down, what, we were well, Excuse me, own. though. Well, what happened about no man left behind? Was that not in effect then? It wasn't in effect for us. I don't know about other. I can't talk to others, but it was not in effect to us. Most wow. of the time with us, it, we were told that they would not launch a SAR because uh, uh, we flew, uh, the, as, as I told you, uh, our motto is alone, unarmed, and unafraid. We flew covert missions. The United States did not want to be have any acknowledgement of us. So if we went down, they didn't send any, anything that could possibly be related to the United States after us. Okay, so what happened on that first, how did you get rescued on that first one? Uh, I first one uh, I whenever we got shot down I remember way and I swam across the Mekong and uh, into Thailand and I was picked up there by a patrol by an, a Thai army patrol. Well, how long did it take you to get there from the time you crashed? Three days. Three days. Were you terrified? Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't luxury vacation. You, yeah, actually, you think of other things. You think of you think of you know your family. You think of wonder if anybody's if any of your friends made. If anybody's got caught, if anybody talked, if anybody's even looking for you, well, I knew they were looking for me because I heard them. I heard them. I even had one one stand on my hand while he was relieving himself, and and he didn't know I was there. So. Oh, so the people that ambushed you, they saw the plane go down, and then they yes. went to look for you guys. Yeah, because there was a bounty on us. We had, on on our because they knew. That what we wow. were doing, so the Viet Cong had set a bounty on us equivalent to $50,000, which for, you know, even in the United States, that was a lot of money, but for them, it made them extremely wealthy. So they were very, very interested in okay. catching us. So let's move on to the, the second time you were shot down. Uh, what's the time frame between one and two? First time I was shot down was in March of uh, 73. And then in uh, August, we were, uh, well, it wasn't really a, a shoot down. We were coming in for a landing. Uh, we had had engine problems, and so we, reco- we had our emergency recovery field in Thailand. So we were going in for a landing, and the base we had, we were going into, was only four miles across the Mekong from the Laotian border. Okay. And so they, they were within the range of anti aircraft and other guns from Laos. So as we were doing the approach, they, uh, opened up with a machine gun fire and killed the pilot and the co-pilot and we hit the runway with the tail with the uh, uh, wing tip and so we went end over end down the down the um, runway and that one there was a fire and there were uh, two of us that made it out of that plane two of, of 11 wow. made it out of the plane and one guy actually did the other guy ended up dying from burns. Do you ever ask yourself? So you were the only survivor, technically. Yeah, and so they they gave the Air Force gave what they call a, a CTO combat time off. You they sent you to either Bangkok or uh, uh, New Zealand or 
Australia for three days, all expenses paid. Three days. For three days, and then you came yeah. back. Yeah, wonderful. Three days, huh? Yeah. Take you three days to get there. <laughs> <laughs> Good gosh. So did, did you ever at that point ask yourself, you know, what am I doing right? Because you survived two now. No, it's, you know, it's a funny thing. And, you know, I, and I, I've been working with veterans ever since I got back. So it's almost 50 years I've worked with various veterans. And to a man there that has actually been in combat, they all tell me and that they have that same sort of experience. My experience was that I was walking out to an airplane and I remember that it was kind of, a, it was a, bright sunny day and the sun was coming up and it came to me you know Dave you're just not going to make it and whenever you decide you're just not going to make it then the fear is gone and that's what every guy that I ever talked to says has told me that at one point in their in their combat tour they come to that realization and whenever they come to that realization then they can operate with, with without fear without fear wow that's scary to you right. what about number three Number three, I was f- flying. We were. It was after the war had been officially uh, uh, over, and we were uh, then assigned to a reconnaissance of American POWs. We were we were monitoring the movement of American POWs because uh, the Air Force and the Army were trying to get the other um, units to go in and free them before they actually went into, because they would take them up into China, before they get into China. So our job was to monitor their movements and report where they were at all times in the event that that the the commands decided they could do some kind of a rescue. So I'm a little confused. The the war is over, right? And they did not release the the prisoners of war? No. Why? Well... Do we know why? Well... It was supposed to be the you know the, the the government our government told everybody that all the that there was a full prisoner release, but there was not. I know that there were I know that there were crews after the war because if you if those that were alive at the time, well remember the Vietnam War ended on April fifteenth, nineteen seventy three. The war in Cambodia ended on August first, nineteen seventy three. And we were still fly- I was still flying. So uh, uh, in those areas after the war was officially there because we were monitoring the downed pilots that were not returned. There were there. If that's why you see the the black flag that flies everywhere alongside the American flag because the American nation American knows that there were POWs that were not released. Do you think that? This date, some 50 years later, there's still POWs somewhere? I believe that there probably are. Because my job, uh, people that, that did my job had access to United States war, war codes. They knew how to use one-day encryption pads. They knew what kind of equipment we used. They knew what our capabilities were. They knew where our units were. They knew what frequencies we monitored. We knew who we, who, what we could, what codes we could break, what codes we could not break, how, we, how we were breaking the codes. So they were pretty important if, uh, people, and so far as for any any foreign intelligence agency would want to talk to. Them. Wow. So getting back to your third time, when, how were you shut down on your third of? I shot down with SA, what they call an SA-7. It's a short-mounted missile. It's an uh, in- infrared heat-seeking missile, and it hit us in the number one engine. And we went down, and we were at 10,000 feet. And That's a pretty good drop, 10,000 feet. It is. 
But the aircraft we were in, we had really good pilots, and they gave us some time. So we were running through the check uh, at, uh, check off the. We have a destruction checked off list, and so we were running through that, and we had to get through that before we could egress the airplane. And unfortunately, we weren't able to get through the entire destruction checklist. So we rode that one to the ground. And what do you mean by that? Like, what do you like? Uh, can you explain that? A little bit so you what like a checklist once you're hit like to destroy things on right, the plane right there's a priority of destruction so you you have a checklist and you go run through that checklist the most sensitive information of course is destroyed first and then yeah, but you if you're on. coming down it from 10,000 feet you're pretty much going to destroy everything aren't you no no really um, the the fear was that they would that the, any of the information that they might Garner from us could could impact the United States operations throughout the United, throughout the world. Wow! And so they, they we know they were very they were very very careful and very uh, 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 we were, we had to be very dil- uh, diligent in making sure that things were destroyed. How, what is your mindset? You're you're at ten thousand feet. You know you're going to crash. You know that plane's going down. Yet you're still having to go through. What they're telling you, hey, check this, check this. this. Aren't you even thinking about the fact that you're going to crash here soon? You know you're going to crash, but it's just an automatic thing. The checklist is on. The, it's on their little. It's like a, a flip thing. It's it's got it plastic. It's plastic, and it's just like a flip, uh, a card flip. And each one has has a destruction procedure. So you go through the first one. You do that destruction. Then uh, you flip and you go to the second one. Then you flip and you go to the third. So you're busy doing that. And that's your primary concern. You don't worry about the airplane. You're so involved with doing the destruction checklist. You didn't even, at least me, I didn't even think about it going down. I knew we were hit. I knew we were going down, but I got into that destruction checklist. How much time from over. the time you were hit until the time you hit? I'd say probably three minutes. Okay. That's a long time when that's you're crazy. plummeting. Yeah. So yeah. when you say that the pilots just took you to the ground, so because you didn't weren't able to finish your checklist, did they try to destroy the plane as best as they could? Is that my understanding? Well, the the pilots, as I said, didn't have the same clearance we had, so the, cl- the pilots really didn't know what was going on in the back end of the airplane. Okay. So the pilots' job was to try to to save the crew. And so whenever they they would do whatever they could to try to to either get the plane as whole as they could, try to find some place where they could fa- uh, land that was... Uh, That's crazy. Hey, we need to take a, a quick break. Don't go anywhere. This is, uh, this is fascinating. And uh, we'll be back with our final few minutes in just a moment. You're listening to 104.3 FM, 1220 AM. We are KSLM. We'll be back in just a moment. Hey, this is Terry Saul, Saltissimo. You know, when it comes time to move into a new home, it's time to consider Don Lule Homes. The Lule difference is simply setting the bar for quality service in Salem. Find out today about custom-built new homes. Don Lule Homes offers open floor plans, quality craftsmanship, and over 50 years of excellent experience in new construction. Beautiful homes are coming soon. Call today and ask for Erica at 503-428-6992. Don Lule Homes. We're back in five, four, Q Terry, two, one, you're on. 
We are back with our final few minutes. Today's guest has been uh, a hero. Uh, yes. <laughs> I mean, what else can you say? Right. A hero, Dave Wentz. Um, we're talking about the fact that you've been shot down three times in in the military there. Just out of curiosity, do you get on airplanes now? Yeah, I do. I, uh, I wouldn't. <laughs> I would go near an airplane now. Yeah, I enjoy flying. Do you really? I, I really do. It's just those landings you didn't like, those three landings. <laughs> yeah, those true. three particular landings you weren't too fond of. Yeah, not those not those landings. Yeah. But. Well, so the last one, we didn't really get into it, so it took three minutes for it to go down. And then what happened? Then I, I really don't know. Um, that was in October, and that was in northern Laos on the plane of jars. Um, I woke up in Yokota, Japan. On, in January, January 21st. And whenever I woke up, I thought that they, uh, that I had been captured. And so they wanted, they wanted to know what unit I was with and where I was from. And I wouldn't talk to them. And they sent a second nurse in and she tried to talk to me. I wouldn't talk to her. And then doctor came and I wouldn't talk to the doctor. Finally, they had to roll me out in a gurney out to the main area with the American flag flying before I would even talk to them. So <laughs> oh, you're stubborn. <laughs> you're stubborn. No, it was the training. You know, yeah. they, they, you know, that's the way you're trained. And you were the only survivor of that one? I was the only survivor in that one. I was down three times, and out of three times, one time there was one guy that, sur- that survived but died later from burns. The other time there were two that survived but didn't make it. I have no idea if they were captured or killed. And then you got because out of the military? Because they dispersed into oh, the jungle and yeah. just never yeah. saw or heard yeah. from them again? And like I said, whenever you go down, you don't you, you, you never go come together because a group is easier to find. Right. Right. So then, wow. you, got, you you retired from the military. I was discharged from the military, and well, actually, I was sent back to the states for rehabilitation, and then. I was sent to Lackland Air Force Base, and they held a parade and gave me some medals. And what gave kind me of medals did you get? Papers. I have the DFC. I have the Vietnamese Cross of Gallantry with, with cross palms. I have three air medals. I have Good a for purple you. heart. Good for you. Did you get the purple heart? Oh, yeah. I got the purple heart with three times. Good for you. What does the purple heart mean? It, it means you did you save somebody? Is that what that means? No, the purple heart was a, a medal that was commissioned by George Washington originally in the Revolutionary War for anybody that served in in the military and later it can be used for anybody who spilled blood in the defense of the nation. It's the highest oh, okay. uh, it's the highest medal you can receive, isn't it? The purple heart? No, it's not. The highest medal you can receive is a Congressional Medal of Honor. Okay. The purple heart is, is down a ways and so forth far as the hierarchy of metals, but it, it's a metal that only a person who spilled blood gets. Okay. And you've got those metals displayed someplace in your home, right? Actually, the truth is, is that, that whenever we came back from Vietnam, it was not a good time to come back, and I gave my medals and my uniforms to my son to play war with, so okay. I have no idea where they're at. All right, so when you got back, you're done with the military. How old are you? 22. Okay. Boy, you went through a lot at a young age, yeah. didn't you? Yeah. My word. A fighter. Okay, so what do you what do you do now? You go back to school? What are you doing? Well, I was like, so the option, you either be a bum, go to work, or go to school school and I didn't want to be a bum and going to school sounded better than going to work so I went to school. <laughs> yeah. I went to school in Kentucky and then went up to Buffalo and then over to um, back to New Jersey and then back out to Kansas and then to Illinois and then finally out Just here. Just all over. Yeah. Picked up degrees along the way. Good for you. Came out here and I worked for AFS and then I worked for the county for senior services and then I went to went back to school and got another master's degree in finally ended up being hospital administrator in Illinois. Okay. So you retired now? 
No, I'm retired now. And what are you doing now? Dealing with veterans. I do veterans benefits. I help other veterans to get the benefits that they've been promised. I was former commander of the DA of the Disabled American Veterans chapter here in Salem, and I was former vice commander of the entire state Disabled American Veterans, and I've lost also belonged to the VFW. And Good for I, you. I'm still a certified. Uh, what they call a VSO, Veteran Service Officer, mm -hmm. and visual like new benefits for people. Do you ever have any dreams, nightmares of, of what you saw and what you did in the military at all? I do. 50 years later? I do, and the, the VA has, uh, the, the action, believe it or not, they, you know, now they, they have a pill that stops you from dreaming. Really? And it's called venaflaxin. And so when I have I have a, a bottle of venaflaxin, and whenever an anniversary date is coming up, I start really? take those pills to, uh, two days before and two days after. And does it help? Yes, it stops the dream. Wow. Because the, the dreams, are they just probably pretty traumatizing? My dreams are not about the crash itself. And, I, you know, I have PTSD, and my PTSD is what they call a survivor's guilt. And it's, I, I think about all, not the guys that died, but I didn't think of the children that never were, the parents that didn't have, have sons coming home. Mm -hmm. or brothers or sisters well, at that time women weren't, weren't in combat but those are the concerns you know whenever I see that you know and it, that's my my big regrets do you consider yourself a hero no why not you are because I didn't do anything no did, you didn't did the same thing as everybody else did you know no, you there, didn't. there were a whole bunch of guys that did the exact same thing I did so no I don't think so there are guys you know you, you see real heroes you know like on TV you know like that guy that they just had that movie that guy that Saved so many people. It was a conscientious objector. I saw that movie. I would consider that man to be a hero, but I'm not by any stretch of imagination. That's a matter of opinion. Yeah, you're That's a hero a in my eyes. I mean, after the first time going down, I would not get in an airplane again. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, let alone again uh, and again and again and again. Yeah, <laughs> for crying out loud. Do you ever do you ever go around to some of the different uh, VA hospitals or, or VFW camps or whatever and, and speak and tell them your story? I mean, you've got a hell of a story to tell. Right. No, I don't. I, I go in there and, and help them with benefits. Mm -hmm. I go there and, and remind them that, that you should not be ashamed to ask for something that you've earned. because. Why would you be ashamed? Vietnam vets are are very leery of the government. They were not treated well, and they are ashamed. That you were not welcomed home, were you? No, we were not. It was not. A, it was not a big welcome home committee or big parade for you folks. No, you came back. We were pretty much reviled. Uh, you know, it was not un uncommon to hear of uh, veterans got, that got spit on. We were even warned. Not even whenever we came back to the states, not even to wear our uniforms. Really? Yeah, yeah. It was it was a bizarre period. Yeah. That's crazy. And, you know, these, these people, that young kids, 18, 19 years old, who, who went and fought for us, and yet when they come back home, we treat them like dirt. And That's heartbreaking. Yeah. I have, I, I will tell you a, a, a truism with me. I have a, a great distaste for, um, there's, a, there's an American actress who was very anti-Vietnam and actually... Did her dad's Vietnam. last name happen to be Fonda? Yes, it does. Mm -hmm. And her dad was a, actually a brigadier, a, uh, a reservist brigadier general in the Air yeah. Force at the time. Jane Fonda is who he's talking about. Yeah, she went over to North Vietnam while the war was going on, and yeah. there were pictures of her at an anti-aircraft uh, site that had shot down B-52 bombers, and she talked to, uh, to us Christmas. I'll never forget it. Christmas Eve, December 1972. She came on and she talked to us and told us, "Do not worry about your wives. 
because they're being well cared for by the next by the man next door. Oh wow! That was a quote. Yeah, she she wow. took a lot of heat for that trip, as well as she she it cost her a lot career wise. And good. As far as I'm concerned, it's still I don't want you know I and I there are, there are things I see that I think oh I'd like to see that. And I, I find out a lot of vets I talk to they still she came on about ten years ago to apologize for it, but too little, too late. Yeah, too little, too late. Well, in in my opinion. You are a, a hell of a hero, uh-huh. and I'm glad that Amen you came that. in. I'd love to hear more stories from you. If you want to come back and chat with us, I'd love to hear some more stories. Dave, you take care, my friend. Okay, well, thank you very much. All right. Appreciate it. True hero True. in our studios. Very, yes. Thank All you right. so much for your service. You are appreciated. We are just about out of time for today's show. Remember, you can catch our show every Saturday at 10 a.m. and a replay Sundays at 6 p.m. right here on Salem's original radio station, KSLM. A reminder, if you missed any of today's show or would like to hear any of my shows, you can always hear a podcast on our official KSLM website at www.kslm.news or on my official website at www.terrysaul.com. If you would like to drop me a note, I'd love to hear from you. My email address is terry at KSLM.news. We'll see you next time. Take care and be safe. You've been listening to The Terry Saul Show on Salem's original radio station, 104.3 FM and 1220 AM KSLM. Today's show is brought to you by the Lule Group, featuring Lule's Car Connection, Don Lule Holmes, and Teresa Lule's State Farm Insurance. That's a wrap. Thanks, everybody. Good show. Bye, everybody.